Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. I'm very excited today to be on the phone with my friend Ben Dude.、Uh, if you are somebody who enjoys what I make, and there are at least three of you, then <laughs> you will have seen my video of、uh, I Wish I Hadn't Got Stoned, which Ben.、Um, We, we worked on that a little bit together. I, I drew some of the things out, but Ben did all the heavy lifting and animated everything and colored everything and did this great job. And he's worked on several videos of mine, actually.、Uh, and I'm going to jump into all of that with him. He's an illustrator, he's an animator, he's a designer, he's a creator. He's also living here in Germany, which means we have so much in common, so many things to talk about.、Uh, and we went to school together. At the University of New Orleans. So, without wasting much more time, I'm just going to jump right in. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello to Ben Dude. Oh, hey, everybody. Hello, hello. <laughs> do you, do you want us to go, by,、uh, to go by Ben Dude or by your <laughs> non stage name? <laughs> My stage name? No, well, let's stick with Ben Dude. That's, that's fine. We can go with Ben Dude. <laughs> I love Ben Dude. And dude, I, and dude, I've also known you as, I've known you as Ben Dude. I think, I think I knew you as Ben Dude for like a year before we, like before your last name came up in class or something. <laughs> That's possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I said it in the very beginning of the Facebook days when I didn't think, when I had the impression coming from MySpace that you shouldn't use your real last name, even though. It was asking for your last name. So I was like, well, Ben Dude. And yeah. That's how, that's how the mythos of Ben Dude started, was because you were unsure about using your last name on, on MySpace? Or on Facebook, because on Facebook. It, was so, it was such the early days of Facebook coming directly from, like, it was still in high school. So, like, coming from MySpace, where there was, it never asked you for your full name, I was like, well, I'm, I shouldn't put my. My real name on the internet.、Uh, I think back then lots of people had funnier names on Facebook.、Uh, but yeah, so it, it goes back to then. Yeah. Like everybody at school knew you as,、uh, well, still knows you as Ben Dude. Like there's probably still like a, a niche group of people that might not know that Dude isn't your actual last name. This is true. This is true. But funny with your, with your Facebook. History on the, on your name. I was exactly the opposite. Like, for for the longest time, I used my real name、uh, on my private page because obviously I had my real name on my music page. But then some years passed and I was living in Germany. And then I started noticing that, like, I don't know if you saw this too, but so many German people use these weird sort of fake alterations of their name as the Facebook name. Have you seen that? That's true. Yeah, I actually have noticed that. And maybe it's, it's, I mean, Germans are very, very like conscious of data protection and whatnot. So they might、dude. have the teenager version of me senses, <laughs> youthful paranoia. I do want to, there's so much about German life and, and behavior that I want to talk about with you. But that's a great starting point on its own is that that was something I noticed that I didn't expect. Or hear about, or th- like that's something you can only learn once you've lived in the country for a while. Is like that's such a weird small thing. Like Germans are so, so hyper paranoid and protective of their of their data. And this is called like、mm-hmm. this Datenschutz thing. They're so strict about it and they're so paranoid about it. And even on Facebook, like some guy's name can be, I don't know, like Florian 
Rinda or something, and his name on Facebook would be like Flo Rian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This weird yep. separate, you know? And so there there was even a moment where I had gone from Jordan Prince to like J-A-Y as the first name, J, and the last name mm-hmm. P, P-E-E. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, so I followed the trend too. I thought, oh, I guess I've got to change my my personal thing here. It's like some, something's, they know something I don't know. <laughs> it's so strange because in America, it's completely the opposite. Like we, we have plenty of friends and family in, in America who don't care at all about this uh, data protection or, or hiding their names from Facebook or something, right? No, it, com- it comes up all the time. And, you know, I'm, I'm married like you to a German and um, my mother especially has like no sense of it. And my mom has like a little uh, blog that she posts like Louisiana recipes onto. And she had made a post that included uh, some photos that she took at the tree of life in New Orleans. And one of them had included me and my wife in it. And I never thought anything of it. And randomly one day, another friend of mine was like, do you know that if you Google image search tree of life, that a photo of you is one of the top photos in Google image search? No and way. My wife, my wife freaked out. She's like, okay, you have <laughs> to have your mother delete that photo off of her blog because I guess- She yeah, wanted Google, it deleted. She wanted it deleted because she, yeah, just the idea of having a personal photo up in a public space, just, yeah, in a Google image search that anybody could find that, you know, all sorts of- random stuff could happen from that, I guess, is the rationale of it. But yeah, my, right. my friend's reaction was like, wow, what an honor. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, no. It had to go down. And yeah. So what do you think that what do you think that stems from? Like, it seems to be a pretty common thing. Like even um, I know guys here in their 60s, all the way down to people our age, like early 30s, late yeah. 20s, and even younger. Like I, I even I have a friend who's like 21. So yeah. the range from 61 to 21, yeah. there's this sort of German mentality of data protection and covering up the name and being a little extra well, safe. Do you, theory, do you yeah. know why? Oh, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I'm pretty sure, or like you could probably draw a lot of connections to the fact that the German Stasi, there was the German spies in the post, uh, like World War II, like when there was the Berlin Wall, there were the the DDR or the GDR, whatever, the, the, the communist part of Germany when it was divided, essentially like spied and collected records on people looking for, for those who were trying to thwart the communist party. And uh, yeah, I mean, one time when I was in Berlin, I visited, there was like a museum there, like a whole Stasi museum. And I'm sure that it's just the recent history because it was only like in the 80s, like that that was still going on. So I think that it's just the recent history of having spying in your culture and, and having people sort of collect these masses of of data on you to try and use it against you that it might stem from. That's my theory, at least. 
Wow. Okay. You know, I so that's never thought about that, but it, that does actually make a lot of sense. It's an interesting museum. If you ever get a chance to pop in, like they have like cases that have, there's like, uh, it looks like a rifle gun, but it's a camera that they could use for like being on the other side of a block and, and like taking these like stabilized photos before there was you know, image stabilization to collect photos of people and stuff. And so now you have like, you know, uh, I heard stories of little German villages that would, when Google Maps was starting to roll out internationally, that they would like make in like a blockade with the villagers to keep the Google image vehicles from rolling into their village because they hated the idea of having their village just photographed and and have the photos uploaded for anybody to see. Yeah. Oh my god, man. This is super interesting. Like I never I never knew any of that. I mean, I I've heard some some towns uh like fighting against having the Google map car come through, but this thing about the the Germans actually makes complete sense if you know the history of about it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, the the history of it is crazy. And I'm no expert on it, but it was, yeah, um, like just kind of, I was looking for cheap things to visit like years and years and years ago when I was visiting Berlin. um, I feel like like Germans are extraordinarily in touch with with their history and with Mm. most, I mean, like, with European and especially with their own country's history there, I feel like they're very in touch and very aware. And like, I guess in their, um, I, I get, from what, from what I understand in their school systems, they are, um, kind of beaten in the head with this stuff so that obviously history won't repeat to an extent. And so they can, and I think maybe that comes into play when it when it, they feel so paranoid about data because these other things are so prominent and they think about them so much growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, and yeah, I I know that with my stepdaughter who's now in school starting to get the World War Two lessons and she's very sensitive to to the idea of war. It it really like it actually yeah is very sensitive for her and so. Uh, yeah, just getting secondhand to see that, like, I sat down to watch with her, like, the a German-made show, and yeah, they're, like, introducing to young kids, like, the what went on. In the, I mean, not super young, but, you know. I was going to ask, like, how, how young do they, do you get the feeling, feeling that they start talking about that stuff? Well, it's, it's starting, like, at, uh, like, sixth grade, um, that they start getting into the topic of World War II and what was going on there. So yeah, they have like kids shows produced to talk about it. And it's actually really interesting because they try to have stories of kids during the war from all different perspectives, Um, like a a story of a kid who had to escape, a story of a French girl who uh, whose family took in uh, Jews that were escaping uh, during World War II. And then also, though, like a story of a boy who had to like join the army. So, yeah, they try to be really thorough about it where, yeah, we we barely I feel like we barely get anything. But I do think it's understandable. It's yeah, 
it's uh, oh man well that's like that's even its whole other topic is the uh, the the level of education that you see people getting here as opposed to the education that uh, at least i feel that i got at at a public high school in mississippi (laughs) (laughs) you know it's a completely different playing field it's like astronauts and farm workers or something (laughs) you know yeah and you're you're in bavaria like from i mean at least from what my wife told me like in bavaria it's it's extra extra strict and i she told me i don't know if this is like still true but at least when she was finishing school that when you're applying to a school in bavaria like a university in bavaria uh that in your you're not from bavaria they they basically lower your high school grades by one grade because they consider the education outside of bavaria so less substantial really <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know if that's still the case or i could be getting the information wrong but yeah the in bavaria especially it's a very like taken very serious education they're very proud of that dude education okay wow <laughs> i'm learning a lot so f- i mean we are just about a little more than 10 minutes into this and i am learning so much from you <laughs> it's well, I really that, crazy i hope man. that i'm getting all my factoids at least semi-correct but it'd be yeah, funny I mean, if like every single thing you said was it's totally not correct like yeah completely the, the opposite are the idiots <laughs> the of germany the dumb- <laughs> It's the dumbest people. Nothing ever happened here. No one here is paranoid. It's only Hamburg. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, okay. Well, let's 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 backtrack a little bit. Uh, we dove in so quickly there, um, but we've known each other for so long, and I think that's that's bound to happen a few times that we're gonna branch off. Uh, not thinking about it, but um, I, I think you and I met. Was it like 2011 or 12? Yeah, I think it would be. About 2011, I think that if I'm remembering the first class that we had together, because I don't think we had that many, but it would have been John McGowan Hartman, right? For That's right. Either film history or film theory. Um, One I'm of the two, yeah. Pretty sure that that was in 2011 because it was in 2012 that I, I mean, it could have been in 2012, but it was in the fall semester of 2012 that I uh, went to do a, a German exchange in Hamburg and that's what got me sort of tied up with Germany and led me ending up over here. Oh, okay. So the fall of 2012 was your first trip to Germany or your exchange. Right. I did. Yeah, I did an exchange semester here. Yeah. That's so crazy. I think I never really understood that you spent like an entire semester in Germany. For some reason, I understood it more as that you spent a few, I mean, you did spend a few months, but if you say someone spends a few months somewhere, it doesn't mean that they really lived there for a semester. It's probably because we, I think we got to know each other a lot better when I got back back, Um, and in the last year of UNO. And it was in that time after I've like finished my studies that I started making trips to Germany. And so that's probably the reason why you're thinking more of like just being just, just the trips that I was making then. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a full semester in 2012. Um, like you and, then, and I, yeah. you and I both knew um, Andrea. Yeah. 
and we knew Ify from our classes because coincidentally, mm-hmm. there's these two German women in our film department. But funny enough, before I met either of them, or maybe I knew Andrea around the same time because we had some classes, but really before my life turned into being basically based around Germany completely, right. um, you know, you were just that guy I knew that went to Germany a lot. <laughs> right, right, right. And, I, and I, I remember thinking that was so interesting. I was like, this guy really digs Germany. And I, and, my, and I never put it together, like, why he goes there, if he's studying something, if he, you know, because we before we really got to, like, talk and make friends and work on projects together, I was, I was so, I still tend to be, but I was so naive, man. I just thought, that's a really interesting guy. He really digs Germany. And I just, <laughs> I just wouldn't ask any more questions about it, you know? Which yeah. I think is like a very American thing to just go like, huh, that's cool. And then just not ask questions about it. That's true. Germans love to dig in with questions. Very Dude, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's so polar opposite here. It's crazy. I thought about something the other day, actually, about Germans, or at least Bavarians. I can only really speak for Bavarians. Right. But there's this thing, like, um, there's this lack of, like, a humble assumption here and what I mean by that is I, I've worked at so many restaurants and cafes here and I worked at a lot of restaurants and cafes in the States as well. And one thing that's really clear in the States is if, if somebody is walking past your cafe and let's say that the website says that the store closes at six, but the person walks by at like 545, 550 and all the lights are off. The door, the front door is locked and you maybe see somebody like working in the, in the back kitchen. This, this American thing assumes like, oh, it was a slow day <laughs> and they've closed up, you know, mm-hmm. there's no question about it. You just go to that. Ah, oh, they already closed. And there's no, <laughs> there's no investigation. There's no, there's no doubt in your mind. That's what happened. And I've worked at so many restaurants and cafes here where the situation was polar opposite man where i was at i was the door was locked like 10 minutes early no one had come in for at least 90 minutes and it was the end of a shift and i said you know what i i did this so many times like either it was a hard monday or it was a boring friday and i was like i'm just gonna tip it off a little early no one's gonna care I'm gonna save the boss some electricity and water bills whatever lock the door up front turn the music up in the house go in the back, start washing all the plates and pans and whatever, running the machines. And dude, in Germany, it has happened so many times that I hear like a like a knocking at the front door on the glass or whatever. And I have to lean out of the door and I see a German person standing there like tapping their wrist, which has a watch on it, and then pointing at the door that has the hours on it going like, but I don't understand. Your sign says that you're closing at 6 p.m., but yet it's here now only 5.52 p.m. So why is the door, but it's locked? <laughs> and it's crazy to me that there's no, like, just assumption. They don't go by and just go like, ah, it's locked. Oh, well, slow day. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. It's it's like you know, if the sign says it's open, it ha- it has to still be open. We have to be able to get what we want. 
(laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, that's such a specific example, but that's something that I have experienced at least 10 times over the past six years. Like there's been some, because the last year, I guess, or a little more than a year is the only time I've been living here where I didn't have a day job, you know, thank God, at -hmm. some restaurant or cafe. Ever since I moved here until that time, I've had a day job and all of them had an experience at one point in, in my time there where somebody came by the door and was like but i don't understand doll says 6 p.m and it's 5:53. you know it's so it's that's it, a big difference i think it is definitely a german thing but i interestingly i had a funny experience that was the opposite here but because it was not germans because in the neighborhood that i live in mm. in hamburg it's actually like i think that germans make up maybe only 50% of the area. It's the rest is uh, from from other ethnicities. Uh, and oh, there's cool. a there's a Turkish grocery store that's the, the closest one to us. And I was walking by and like, it looks like they were closing up and it was after the time hours. And I was looking in and the guy who was at the counter was like, oh, do you need something? Like, Anytime you see one of us here, feel free to come in and grab what you need and 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 we'll let you pay for it. And I don't know. It's I That's very I think nice. It's it's the very it's a very nice <laughs> opposite <laughs> thing. But th- that makes it sound like um we're being mean. It makes to it sound like I'm church. the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's But I was. It's, I, I am. I hated those jobs. So, you know. <laughs> I I had an agenda. <laughs> By the way, con- congratulations that you've been able to uh, leave the that that industry behind you. Welcome to the scary world of freelancing. Selbstständig. Right. <laughs> 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 oh man, yeah, Freiwillige and Selbstständig are like the two most like whew, terrifying words when it comes to your taxes and your health insurance. But um, yeah, thank you, man. That's really I, I've really been lucky and grateful for the past year I, I guess a little more than a year now of being in that world and man it's it's such a big weight off your shoulders to like whatever whatever things you have to get through um whatever things you have to do throughout the day that aren't your work whatever obligations obligations they may be if that's family or if that's um helping somebody do something else or if you promised you know, your partner, you'd go do X or whatever, like whatever isn't part of your job, you don't feel this anxiety the same way that you do if you're stuck at a cafe for five hours. Right. You know what I mean? Like you're still at home. You may be like running some errands, but you're in your brain, you're thinking, ah, but I'm going to be home. And like, then there's that one hour. Ah, then at night when they go to bed, I have three hours, then I could do, you know, like you're thinking about your schedule in a totally different way as opposed to, well, I guess from 8 a.m., until 4 p.m., I will do nothing except surf soup and salads. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know? it's, it's, it's kind of, we get to, to balance things the way that we want to in, in a lot of situations, which, yeah. You know, is, is, and all my friends, I feel like, I, I don't know if I'm the last one to join the, to join the the crew, but I feel like I was one of the last ones. You know, we we have this friend um, Bruno, who of course he's in slightly different circumstances. It's not like he's got the poorest family in the world, but he was 
always just working as he wanted to. And that was like one of my closest, if not for a while, the closest friend I had in New Orleans for for a definitely a big window there. And I thought, man, I'm so jealous that this guy gets to wake up, go to his garage, look at his, um, you know, red. He had a red camera. <laughs> And, you know, play with his lenses and then just think of ideas. Just go, oh, I think I'm going to try and like write a script today or I'm going to meet with this guy and talk about a music video or I'm going to talk to them about a documentary <laughs> or I'm going to shoot a feature in Austin. You know, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. And then I would go to, to Rue de la Cour over on Oak Street <laughs> and serve coffee for six hours and like, oh, I hope I get 20 bucks in tips, you know. I think Bruno's been the the envy of us all, but I, it's that's it's, fair. Yeah, he's a he's, bad example because he's he's been pretty lucky as well. He works hard. Don't get me wrong, but he started off he started off a little lucky. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But yeah, we say yeah. that with love. <laughs> we do. I, Bruno's also one of the sweetest people I think that we both know. So yes. Oh my God. Yes. Um. And speaking of him, actually, um, we talked a little like i guess what was it a month ago we texted about going to america mm-hmm. and man we're gonna go actually let me look at the we fly in 10 no it can't be 10 days wow it's 10 days Ooh, it's coming up we're gonna it's crazy man we're gonna we're gonna go um with the whole gang over to like a direct flight we're gonna go from frankfurt to atlanta and then Atlanta stay a night and then go with my family to my brother's house in Murfreesboro, which is not too far from Nashville. And then go from there after a few weeks to my parents' house, which is in a different part of Tennessee. And then go down to New Orleans, Louisiana, doom, 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 doom. <laughs> and see all these people that we're going to be name dropping for the next... 40 minutes <laughs> oh yeah oh man this and this I'm so excited this is such the the right time to time of the year to go visit like uh yeah actually just had uh the five year wedding anniversary on march 4th of the the wedding that we had in new orleans because we we had a a wedding here first in Europe. That was the the one that helped me quickly get a visa. But then we, I wanted to have a wedding with all of you know all of my people, of uh, in in Louisiana. So we had to do a second wedding, and yeah, that's still like the that is from that was for me the the real wedding, and yeah, just March time, springtime. It's my favorite season in the South. It's it's like really close to fall, but it's like kind of everything coming alive and everybody trying to get in all of their excitement and, and life in before the like a painful, aggressive summer starts beating down. So, yeah. Oh, that summer, man. That summer yeah. is really, really rough. Uh, I think you're totally right that there's something so, what's the word, like, especially about like a New Orleans spring, there's something so, Yes. I mean, you said it, it's like alive, it's very, uh, you know, it's It usually includes Mardi Gras as well, like starting off the spring time season there, like, I guess technically it's They just had it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I guess it's technically when you're going by, like, 
official calendar seasons. It's not spring, but I've all, like I never knew until I lived in Germany that spring didn't start in like February. <laughs> Like, I always thought that, like, winter was, like, just, I don't know, September to January, and my birthday is the last day of January, and I always remembered having, like, a warm and sunny birthday, and so, in my mind, that was when spring was, and spring very quickly ends, like, you know, at the end of April when it starts getting too hot, but turns out, actually, that's that's not really the official season's and yeah, I I learned that here the hard way. The seasons here are a little bit more aligned with the the you know what it says in the calendar is when 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 that's you know, true. That's true. That's th- I think that's almost something that I, I think that is something I kind of enjoy about the nature part of uh, at least Bavaria is that there's very distinct seasons. Yeah, and despite all of the wonders and like you know, irrefutable beauty and magic of New Orleans. There's just a deathly hot beat your neck (laughs) into the sand summer that makes you want to like cry. And then there's not for a little while. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I am that little window. (laughs) I do have to admit, I am envious of your, your Southern German uh, seasons because here, uh, it's it's much more like Seattle. It's like Seattle or like you know s- southern. Really? UK. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I, if you had asked me how I was feeling about living in Hamburg, like I guess three weeks ago, I would have been like, oh man, I don't know how I make it through this because <laughs> I I had heard the I had heard from my mother in law that. She we had we had met up on February sixteenth, and she said that there had been a total of six hours of sunshine to to that point in the year. So in that month and oh. a half, the sun had crept out from behind the gray for a total of six hours, and. I totally understood it. I was like, oh, oh yeah, God. it was, it was really, but now the sun has come up. Now I'm like, ah, oh, this is such a, this is such a great place to be. I love it here. It's the best it's, place to be. It's, <laughs> it's so nice now. Even even <laughs> though it's still freezing cold, it's, it's, yeah, but you, you actually get snow on mountains. So I'm, I am envious. You get a proper winter here, uh, that down there, but yeah. You know what's crazy is Ify's family has this apartment, this tiny little uh, like 10 square foot apartment at the Olympia Stadium where all the athletes lived back in the 70s. And is in that, that little in the Olympic Village. What is that is that in the the village where they live in um I for, I forgot the um the one that I visited. Where the... No, 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 okay, no, 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 like that's, no, no, so like you, you stayed at this um, company owned like complex here in this mountain town where the family lives. Okay, yeah, it's not in the mountain town. Okay, that's what I was, yeah. No, 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 sorry, like in Munich, there's the, oh, in like, Munich. the, oh, the, wow. the Olympic Stadium, you know, that okay. they built in the 70s where the, the uh... terrorist attack took place, you remember? Actually, I, <laughs> I, I didn't know about that. Okay, but okay, yeah, so we're talking uh... about in Munich. All right. <laughs> What's funny about that? 
what's just a small caveat. Uh, mm-hmm. Our most by far dedicated listener, other than my mom, is a is a genius screenwriter and a friend of ours, and he uh, is working on. I know that I can't say too much, but he's working on literally that topic. Ah, okay. <laughs> Currently, okay. this it's on this, your mind this, then. this event. Yeah, it was on my mind. Um, but anyway, so no, like in Munich, there's this crazy. I, I hate that I don't know the architect's name because I've stayed in that building so much, and it's now I'm talking about it a lot with my friend. But anyway, there's this crazy like spider web design. You should really Google it. The the Munich Olympic Stadium that they built in the 70s for the Olympics. It's this wild spider web design. It's very misshapen and and looks like weird twisted steel and glass. It looks so cool uh, and really modern. Like it's it looks like it could have been built last year. And then there's all these dirty, cheap sort of small Olympic apartments all around it and loads of people live in these buildings like people who just moved there because they're super cheap and it's really small and or 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 students live there and tourists and all these people go there and because um my sorry my brother-in-law used to live in this place he was studying when he was younger and he needed to get an apartment in munich so he just said like okay screw it whatever i'll just get one so he got uh, like this tiny little apartment in the Olympic Village there. And um, f- what I'm trying to say is basically from that window in the Olympic Village, because you were talking about the seasons, yeah. on a clear spring day or even like a summer day, you can stand on the on that little balcony in this Olympic Village and look out south and you can see the Alps. Oh, my God, from Munich? Wow. Isn't that crazy? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. What's also interesting is like, so from literally from the window that they have there. And I mean, it's the, it's so crazy. It's like the size of a a bathroom. It's this tiny little place. But if you stand on the little balcony, you can, on a very clear day, you can go out and see, you can look and see the mountains. And then if you look really like directly down, I'd say right at five o'clock or three o'clock, there's a building. And that is, you can see the balcony from the apartment where they had this terrorist attack. Whoa. <laughs> and it's really crazy. Uh, yeah, you should look up uh, September 5th uh, terrorist attack Munich. It's this crazy story. Mm-hmm. Um, just historically, it's just really interesting. But um, it was this wild event in the 70s. But um, right. anyway, yeah, it's, it's like talking about seasons. That's something I noticed for the first time. I was like, I didn't know you could have such little pollution. <laughs> yeah, that. Or like just crazy. the seasons. It's just so clean. Like it was just such a clean view. But what was the, like, what was the your first impression when you moved to, when you moved officially to Germany? Like your first year, what, what was this feeling, these feelings that went through you? Because I, I had, my first year was so, so many ups and downs. So many things of like questioning the choice um, you know, really hunting and grinding for friends, not even thinking about the language. That was like a whole different <laughs> thing I'm still dealing with. But just overall, as like a New, or- New Orleanian guy, creative guy, had a huge community, a tight community in New Orleans. What was your feeling when you first went to Germany? I mean, I guess it 
it helped a lot for me since I had lived in in Hamburg before fully moving here. It it I do though like the feelings of ups and downs like I also know that because when I moved here like I knew that I was going to be not moving here forever but moving here in a very kind of permanent way because I because I was moving in with the person that or moving in with a person who already had a kid and so moving here I knew that like it was going to be really like sticking here and there was like kind of no going back because there was a person that I wanted to to marry and like it it, the feelings our stories aren't so different there (laughs) yeah I guess so I mean come for a person and you're like well I gotta see where this goes first and deal with the other stuff later it's true. It's true. I mean, I mean, I guess like it it helped that I was like in the first year that I was here, I I made a couple of visits back and forth. So, it it wasn't as it wasn't as scary and I moved here in the spring and everything was just so it was the best time or the real spring. It was like <laughs> May when I moved here, the the <laughs> German spring, which I always thought was summer. Um, and <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was really actually the I the one thing that I always think back to of my first year moving here was actually a sense of pride because at the point that. I moved here and I guess it was not so long after you um 2016 like uh it was at the point when the Syrian refugee crisis was happening and Germany was opening up their arms to all of the refugees and I was there was right. like graffiti around Hamburg and and signs posted that was like refugees welcome and then that fall Trump was elected and I was just feeling so so like I made the right choice I'm like wow I am very happy to be here and not in the U.S. where it feels like everything is falling apart and I guess the only times that I was feeling especially low was when I was kind of vicariously feeling all of all of my friends' stress and 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 kind of misery of like what I felt like was a very low point in in U.S. history and like everything that was going on, right? And I don't know, like yeah, I was I was still very excited, um, but m- missing friends and and missing New Orleans was always a challenge. Like I feel like I I share that with you a lot. But. Absolutely, man. And that that might have been the most uh, difficult part about it because when I think about, you know, it's it's really funny about how I'm as I'm getting older, maybe perceiving time. Because when I think about like 2011, 12 until 2015, yeah, that window of UNO times and like everybody piling in at Ben Dude's house to go watch <laughs> a movie, uh, or to like you brewed your own beer or or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
or like us going to to parties at, at Bruno's house and all these film people there are like shooting the fresh ground music video or doing all these things. Uh, it, it just feels like that really was last year for me. It feels so mm. recent. It still feels like just on the like I can still taste it. But on the on the same topic, like you say, when you move here in 2016, Trump gets elected, right? For me, when I think about, I remember I was sitting on the sofa in our current apartment, watching on Sky the live stream of his inauguration. And for me, for some reason, that feels like it was 2020. Like it, like it wasn't mm. that. Like it was just like a like just two years ago and Biden came in like early this year. You know, it's just like everything feels a little bit so, like much sooner than it really is because w what's wild to me about Trump having been in 2016 was I base 2017 and 18 and 19 off of the concerts I was doing because that was the mm. busiest time for me. And 2017, dude, I was... I mean, this isn't like some sort of weird brag, but like I was so lucky and, 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 and grateful to be able to do like a huge tour. Yeah. And I was going all through these different cities and major festivals. I got to come see you for the Reaper Bond Festival. That was awesome. Um, I got to, you know, play for this British band Elbow in Switzerland. Like I had all these great shows and connections and gigs. And I don't remember it ever coming up at all that Trump was president mm -hmm. and it didn't feel, it still felt to me like Obama was president. And then, then when the, when the Corona epidemic hit then in 2019, early 2020, then I thought, Oh, it feels like Trump was elected. <laughs> I don't know. It feels like, you know what I mean? It feels later than it really was. Hmm. I but guess. I yeah. Know. Maybe I'm just, I, I think, crazy. I mean, it makes sense. You were, you were really in a, in a stride that, you were hitting then for because for me it actually took a while to kind of get into uh like with kind of like well your your life being as a touring musician and my life being like an animator and and working in like post-production like it actually took a while for me to hit my stride here which didn't really start until just before the pandemic and feeling very very fortunate for me like at least work-wise like it was it was only shortly affected when all of the companies were pausing things but I was I feel very fortunate being in post-production and, and being able to do animation and motion graphics that you know lots of projects that I do don't need to have any filmed footage first like you know doing fully animated more cartoon style things or doing um um explainer type videos like luckily for me it that's something that a pandemic wouldn't change and so we kind right. of have a, a an inverse path like it was it was slow and then just before the pandemic was when i made the like the the work connection the change for me that that started making everything easier um, let's talk a little bit actually about about what you do because we haven't i mean i <laughs> for, for the for the people that listen regularly we have really gone off the deep end about a few different things that, that i love talking about with you but i haven't really 
like for those who have no idea who you are, like, you know, we met in film school and, you know, were you always um, like from from the beginning, like I want to go to school and I want to get into animation and post-production or what was your path kind of? Yeah, well, definitely I always had a strong interest, yeah, in the post-production side of things. Like before starting doing the film school at UNO, like in high school, I tried like it was it was like, yeah, basically late high school. I started trying to turn like every like school project assignment that I could into a film project because outside of school I was make I started making some goofy films with friends and I was like, "Ah, oh, but I could also do this with my school projects." And I did like a I did a short film for the biology class that I had doing like a film noir on like a protein synthesis and I had my friends act out being like RNA and DNA and turned it into like a crime story and and basically <laughs> everything I tried to like turn oh, into man. a ridiculous story and I was I was always yeah really excited about the possibility of of like doing visual effects so like I I tried out doing green screen and stuff but like way back then um yeah so it was it was kind of always my interest and it was it wasn't actually though until i moved was knew that i would be moving to live in germany that i made a very intentional shift to try to do more animation because i before that i was doing a lot of editing work um but I, I had the feeling because I was I was also freelancing then, like basically from graduating, I was freelancing. I I realized or I I thought that I would be more likely to keep the contacts that I had if I could do animation stuff because being so far away, footage files are huge and it just wouldn't be practical to like transfer over hundreds and hundreds of gigabytes of footage. Um, and so I intentionally made like a move to animation. Um, and it, yeah, so it's really only in the past like five years that I've gotten more into animation and, and motion graphics and, and that kind of thing, um, which I've been super happy with actually. Uh, it's it's a very yeah. it's a very yeah. savvy business decision on your part to see the, see the market change and realize that you should open up a new channel into what you think you might be good at in order to like optimize your market. I mean, it there was obviously like luck though with, I didn't know that a pandemic would be happening and that, <laughs> that, that like film. <laughs> yes, you did Ben back. dude. <laughs> Shh, don't tell them I released the COVID. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it was, it was, I did always have the interest in it, but yeah, it was it was an intentional thing. I was like, I knew that I could keep doing that much more easily. And then it, I mean, yeah, with Easy Does It, I was able to VFX supervise from overseas and it definitely would not have worked to edit. Like in the very beginning of the project, I was on board to edit, but we, like as the project went on and grew and grew and grew, we made the sensible decision to get me to take, because also when we started it, we had no idea how much visual effects would be going into 
the movie. Um, For those who don't know, e- right. Easy Does It's a an independent feature film that Ben worked on for 45 years. <laughs> it's a very long project. I mean, like, yeah, we started it uh, in 2016 and the premiere was at the end of 2018. Yeah, which also the movie features music from Jordan, from you. So. I have to give, uh, we've mentioned him already, Bruno Doria. I have to give him 100% of the credit that... Uh, um, Allegedly, from the very beginning on, he fought uh, tooth and nail against producers uh, and directors and whatever to keep the original two songs from my first album in the movie, and he succeeded. Yes. And uh, yeah, I'm very, very thankful for, to him for that. It was a nice paycheck, and it was also the first film that licensed uh, my music, so I'm very, very thankful for that. And actually you can go to iTunes and rent it or buy it. Easy does it with Terminator 2's Linda Hamilton and Mad Men's, is it Benjamin Bratt? Brian. Benjamin Brian. Bat. Brian, Brian Bat. Bat. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> Brian Bat. Um, it's funny because I'm actually re-watching Mad Men right now and I took me until the second season to go, oh, that's that guy. <laughs> It's also, I think it's also on Amazon, and I think, I'm not sure if this is still the case, but I'm pretty sure it made it onto, in the US, Amazon Prime streaming even. Um, Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. So, very accessible Um, indie film. It's really cool, and it was, that was like the core, I would say, at least for my time there, and probably for yours too, Easy Does It is like the core definition project of our era. Yeah, it was it was the the penultimate film or project of the whole team and crew that we yeah had from that time uh, leading up to Germany and now a lot of yeah a lot of people have spread to different ways but I think that it won't be the the last project actually I I still think that there's going to be uh, more more projects in the future it's just a matter of time the um the there was two companies, right? So there's Bruno's company, Worklight Pictures, mm-hmm. which yeah. was part of it, and Elysian Fields Independent, EFI. That's right, yes. And right. that's Ben Matheny, Will Addison. At the time, it was also Corey and Corey Dumasdell and Danny Abel, right? Yeah, and Lee Garcia as well. Lee Garcia, that's right. Big Lee part Garcia. of EFI, yes. That's yes. right. Yeah, Ben Matheny, so... Um, and of course, we can't mention Easy Does It without mentioning Ben Matheny and Matthew Martinez. That's right. Uh, so we're just going through the whole the whole roster here. But like mm-hmm. Ben was uh, a producer on the film and is one of the two leads, and uh, one of our best friends, Matthew Martinez, is the other lead. Corey Dumasnil, another friend of ours, is the third, and then of course, um, Linda Hamilton is the main villain of the movie. Uh, who plays, I think her name is King, right? Yeah, King George, yeah. King George, that's right. Um, yeah, really fun movie, and was like, the kind of like, yeah, you said you said it right, the, the, the penultimate project of our, of our time there. And it, it's really fun, like, I remember even when, so Will Addison was the, the brainchild behind that, and he made this short film for the University of New Orleans Film Fest. Yeah. 
that, which was also like another great era. I mean, imagine you're going <laughs> to film school with all these, stu- all your peers and you work on, I don't know, one or two projects in that semester, maybe more if you work in post-production like you. And then you get to go and sit down in a 4K cinema with great sound and watch everybody's films on a fun evening. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, it was always the highlight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, that was so cool. I remember so many different nights of different people's like comedies and dramas and whatever, and Will Anderson dropped Easy Does It, and I was also <laughs> lucky to to put some music in that first short film. Yeah. And I, I thought, oh, this is so exciting. It's so like Tarantino-ish and Scorsese-ish, like just to name like the most generic, like so you know the style, you know? <laughs> He had mm-hmm. his own thing going, but it's like in that vein. And uh, and then, you know, for him to to decide, okay, this is going to be a feature. And he, they worked really hard and they got it funded and made a real movie out of it and got some names in there. I mean, that's it's really impressive. And to, to really see them go through all that work and finally get it finished, it was like it was really a window into seeing how genuine independent films get made. Yeah. It was like, you know, we were right there next to seeing people do the hard work and you see how they have to try and fundraise, how they have to market themselves, how they have to try and curve and and, and bend and, and, and sway to get this thing made. And it was really cool, I thought. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And it was also like it was a labor of love because even though we did get funding, I mean, the funding we poured into almost everything except ourselves so it was also still a passion project (laughs) and it was like yeah see i'm i i wish i really wish you could have been there i was really really lucky to be able to schedule a, a visit back back to new orleans at the time of the premiere but being in the the orpheum theater getting a yeah perfect friday evening spot of the new orleans film festival was also really really special oh man Um, i would have loved to have seen the premiere that would have been so cool but i remember the first time i sat down at my laptop i don't know how many months after it was out officially and done finally everyone's done your hard long work was over you did so many hours i can't even imagine and bruno and everybody else finishing this this movie. And I remember I sat down, opened up iTunes, and was like, I'm going to type in Easy Does It and see it here on my screen like a real, you know, you have this thing that you imagine your parents probably sometimes don't get what you do, and they think maybe if they see it come on NBC or on Netflix, then it's a real thing, and then they get it. Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense to you? Yeah. No, it's like because they they don't really... That's that's for them what the reality of like film and, and television is. They they yeah it's right. Besides it has to that, come it's through like, through their it? through their sort of standard. And I remember sitting there in iTunes and was like, I'm going to f- to feel that. I'm going to type in this movie that so many of my closest hardworking friends spent years on, and I'm going to see it here right next to like famous famous big movies. You know. And it was such a cool feeling just to, before I even rented it or, or bought it or whatever, just to sit there and like see it on iTunes, like a, 
really it's like oh it's actually a movie now that was the first project where everybody who was on it was somebody that i knew yeah and that's such a such a rewarding feeling you know it's just amazing plus it's good (laughs) it's (laughs) go watch it it is it is a treat it is yeah a very funny ride yeah it's a ride ha ha perfect (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how we branched off on easy does it but um yeah you were saying like you you had um sort of morphed into more of this post-production work right for for this film and then right yeah um, i mean the and and really like i was i was saying earlier that it took me a while to kind of find my stride but it was the the thing that really changed it for me in the in my work life here in Germany is that in a like totally kind of random coincidence sort of way and it like late or kind of yeah fall 2019 I got a call from a friend pretty late at night already like I think it was like 9 or 10 p.m. He was like, hey, man, I have an extra ticket for the Adiazzi, no, wait, the uh, the um, Adiazzi Festival, which I had never heard of. Uh, it turned out to be the art director club, art directors club, uh, f- like, festival event. So it it's one of the biggest marketing festival sort of things in in Germany for like video and film advertising uh, where basically the biggest and most impressive uh, ad and video campaigns are given awards and whatnot and this was the after party and he had a ticket to it and I was like well I'll go not really knowing what it was and it was a crazy wild party and there he introduced me to the ex of one of his co-workers who had just started her own agency to represent uh like video post-production artist and she was like oh you're a video artist yeah i'm looking for more people and uh yeah just total coincidence but we hit it off super well and I was having an incredible amount of imposter syndrome because, you know, I had only made the transition to, I mean, she also represents uh, editors as well, but I was trying to, you know, be more animation forward. And I told her that, but it felt like total imposter syndrome to have an agent, which I didn't oh, yeah, totally. n- know was such, like, I knew that like artists and actors, like, or, you know, musicians and actors get agents and whatnot. And I didn't really know that it was much of a, and it it really isn't a super huge thing for video production artists, which is probably why I had never known anybody that had one, but they're based out of Berlin, which is not far from Hamburg. It's like an hour or so with a high speed train. Um, And they, and she wanted to have artists that were also in Hamburg. And yeah, from, like because when I came here, it was kind of hard getting connections. But with somebody who has an agency representing artists, all of the really big studios and agents come to her to find artists to fill in roles. So from that point on, I started getting connections to a lot bigger and better 
paying jobs. And it was also, it took a huge stress away from me as far as like the business side, because one of the, you know, things that I always had a terrible, terrible time doing was telling somebody how much something cost or like how much I paid. And I I talked to to her about like how much I'd been charging. And she was like, you know, like if if like a studio needs you to use your own computer, you should be charging an extra 150 euros a day. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> I've what? been missing out on so much money. And so having somebody else who could say the number of that, like the, the day rate that has always made me just feel uncomfortable to say and has, has, that I've felt imposter syndrome for, like has been a, total game changer for me so it's been a incredibly like positive development and yeah so that's why for me it it wasn't until just not that long ago that yeah things started really like ramping up for me so man i'm really i'm like i'm so happy for you that you got this connection because people don't really understand like in in the creative industries having an interaction like that can be, I don't want to say the term like life or death, but like it can be so beneficial for you to just meet someone by chance Yeah. in this game. I mean, your story is just one example, but like just to run into somebody at an event that is or maybe isn't similar to what you do or like, you know, musicians, knowing animators, knowing directors, knowing producers, knowing actors, like the sort of creative film meets music world. There's yeah. so many people who do so many things and you never know what, who or how or what's going to get you to like the, the your idea of what your next level is. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think that's what's crazy. made the pandemic so punishing for, for most people in the creative field. Like, it was it was just so incredibly lucky that I made this connection because like I I can't go out to make new connections but you know an agency that represents video artists is a clear place to have you know larger studios coming to during the pandemic like they don't ha- they don't have to go out to events and whatnot whereas like me as an individual artist like yeah those things were the way that I was finding my jobs before. And I would have been in a terrible, terrible pickle <laughs> during the <laughs> pandemic. And like, I feel for you, like, and and other musicians, like, it's just, it's so heartbreaking. Like, and yeah, Man, I mean, it's really crazy. Like in 20, I'm going to say 2020, no, 2021 now, it's already 22. 2021, I played three shows and and this is kind of one thing that i think is interesting about america is that they are throwing caution to the wind and just about everything you can imagine is back on the roster like i i follow a lot of stand-up comedians and i i get newsletters every week of like we added a second show in ohio you know yeah (laughs) you guys no. just keep buying tickets. So we added a th- oh, we another Thursday late show, whatever, you know. Yeah. And you're like, man, this is just crazy. And you see bands like, oh, we're back, you know, a mini tour, which is like still 30 theaters. 
Yeah. You know, you're like, oh my God, this is so crazy. And now I see flyers, of course, you, you see all the, you know, you, you follow all these festival uh, channels on Instagram and you see like, okay, we've booked these bands and these bands and these bands. And in near Munich, a festival that you want to get on, which I am grateful to have played once, but I would love to play like a bigger stage again, um, is the Pulse Open Air, P-U-L-S, which is a radio station. And um, they just announced that there's that there's people playing and you're like wait what you guys are doing it again this year I, excuse me what and you it's booked out and you're like oh come on <laughs> but i have and i do have to say it is the first time last month or so was the first time that i finally got new offers from my booking guy and we it was such terrible timing you know like 29 like early 2019 i left um this guy tony that you met when That's we right. went to Reaper yeah. I left him, long story, bad relationship, super unhealthy. And in early 2019, I said, I want to stop working together. And then I had nothing, no prospects, no goal, no album on the horizon, like nothing. And for three months, I was I was working at the time at, a, at an elementary school. And I would come in early every morning. And for like two and a half hours every morning, I only sent out emails to booking agencies and labels. And after like, I want to say at least two and a half months of that, maybe it was, yeah, something like that. Uh, I finally got a feedback from one particular booking agency, which I didn't, I didn't know them so well, but, um, for the, for the heck of me right now, I cannot think of their name, which is funny because I work with them now. (laughs) It's so crazy for the, for the life of me, I can't remember the name right now, but I haven't I haven't really needed to talk about them in a long time. Um, but they, this one agency got back to me and they said uh, that they were would be interested. And as soon as we said, okay, let, that's great, let's do some some bookings together, see if we like it, and then we can talk about you know if we need to, we can sign a contract or whatever. And the pandemic hit within like a few months of that. And then there was nothing left. And it was crazy, man. Oh. Uh, uh, Grand Hotel Von Cleef. Grand Hotel Von Cleef. Okay. Um, and they, yeah. And so now it's 2022. We, st- we agreed to work together in like mid to late 2019. And now's the first time where they're like, I mean, he, he's given me a few shows, but like spare, you know? Right. Because they, they weren't really happening. <laughs> There was nothing happening. And so now he's like, okay, well, you know, there's this slot that might have a place for, you know, some indie guys. This this place might have some options, some open airs, uh, some open festivals. But, I mean, the, the big problem, like the complicated thing is now that if there are festivals, if there are open airs to be played, the first thing that these um, promoters want to do, of course, is book big artists so they can sell out the limited seats that they have right. and make the money back for the effort. So I'm definitely not at the top of the ladder. So they have to look down a bit and say, okay, is there enough space here for these smaller guys to play? Um, so that's where I'm kind of hoping like maybe there's a couple of shows. Like I've had a few offers for the summer, so we have to see. Yeah. But I'm I mean, really curious about it. I, I, I'm just going to hope for you because like, or just hope that 
It's only that everybody's still being very cautious, but as we get into the summer, that it'll really explode. And like you said, that, you know, there's going to be the, like the, the higher, like sort of top, topper, more topper tier artist or whatever, like <laughs> going to be picked first. But I, I just, I, I think everybody's itching to, to get back into it like in the u.s but i think that germany is just so cautious that they're going to be a couple months behind it's like also even the pandemic hitting was i always felt like it was lagging here a couple months behind with like you would see with how crazy the numbers would be getting in the u.s it would be a couple months later that that would be happening here in germany so my hope for you is that as it gets to be in the summer that they're going to be like, Oh shit, all of these artists are booked and we're trying to add in all of these extra shows because now the coast is clear and we're, we're trying to fill up every inch because you know, German summer is incredible. It's everybody's outside every day and it's beautiful. So like, I, I think that it's very likely that now it's, it's going to be harder for you to find in, get into those spots where usually there'd be more openings, but you know, I th- hopefully there's no crazy new v- summer devil variants or whatever popping up that you're able, like, you know, if those, if that doesn't happen, then I bet the summer is still going to be banging for you. So, I and I case. hope so. I hope so. Thank you for the, for the positive thoughts. I, <laughs> I hope it's, I hope it's like that. Um, but what I have to do, what I do have to say is I'm very grateful for how the last year has has turned out for me not being able to do concerts like i had all this 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 energy and this this need to like i don't know uh annoy people publicly and what i really (laughs) and i couldn't do that on the stage so like i got you know very thankfully got a position at this radio station to do american sunday and it's like such a blessing to have this radio show i love doing it and um also your social media game i think because of the pandemic has has gone way up that's part of it yeah for sure like doing these german this german content stuff that that helped a lot for sure i can't deny that um and that's that's really that's really been nice so like you know these things like the radio and this stuff and then um i i wanted to wait until the end to to say but i think i have to end the call soon anyway Basically, I, throughout this time, finally, for the first time, got to officially score a television show, and it comes out tomorrow. So by the time you guys hear this, it will have been out for a day already. Um, That's exciting. So like you, you... Was it they gave you the the show and they're like, can you compose something to this? It was it was a kind of a wild job because the director is really and if he does hear this he'll know I mean it with love but he's crazy <laughs> and he does whatever he wants and he changes his mind all the time. <laughs> okay. okay. His name his name is David and he's he's a really cool guy. He's so he had he's he had the brainchild for this show. He had the the whole concept for it, I mean, and he um wanted to have these people who living in this apartment together and it's kind of like a fake mockumentary style in the way of like modern family or curb your enthusiasm but the tone of the show is like dark filthy gritty humor if you can imagine it's always sunny in philadelphia but with no limitations 
Hmm. Like where they would go with that. And so it's, it's a German show. um, It's a German show. It's, uh, it's a sitcom formula, eight episodes, 23 minutes. And it's, um, like this really filthy, really great, something kind of fresh humor wise, I think for German TV. Um, and it's going to be on, uh, but funny enough, Efi is a writer on the show. Okay. And currently, currently she's working on, um, she's in the writer's room for a second season. So we have to hope that the first season gets watched. So they film the second one, but she's already, they're actually already writing the second one, which is really cool. Um, but it's called wrong and, uh, the English word wrong. Huh. All right. It comes out, uh, so you guys will see the, it comes out on the ninth, uh, at 3 PM, I think, or noon or something. All eight episodes will drop at once on RTL plus or T TV now, RTL plus, I think they're the same thing. And, uh, yeah, it's so David's David helmet. He's the, I mean, David Helmut, David helmet. <laughs> he's, he's the, uh, He's the director. He's the lead actor in the show. He's um, the head oh, writer wow. in the show. Okay, okay. So yeah, it's one of those Glenn Howerton, Charlie Day sort of situations. Gotcha, gotcha. And um, yeah, he's. I a think you need. The, I think you need yeah. to be a bit crazy to to be able to pull off doing all of those roles in like the the good kind of crazy way. So yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, he knows what he wants. You know, he might change his mind a lot, but in the end, like. He's changing it because he's usually Seeing, leading yeah. you somewhere better. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but he, he was a little funky to work for. Like I've I've had people hire me to make music for projects or for events before, but he was so spontaneous. Sometimes I would spend like hours and hours on something, and he would just be like, <laughs> he would just be like, "No, I don't want any of that." You know, <laughs> <laughs> like lit- like use the expression like, "I don't want one second of that. I want something different." You know. Right. He was so funny. He, like the first thing we did, they they gave me, um, they showed me the rough. So I had a link to the rough cuts of the episodes and they said, just come up with whatever you think might work. And so they wanted a title track, um, an end credit track, and they wanted like transitions. Like imagine if you watch Friends, there's like right. scene to scene transition stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, okay, I'll make, I'll, I'll find something. So I made like this sort of like, not pop punky, but just sort of this like kind of trashier garagey indie rock stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause it's this gritty sort of dirty show humor wise. So I thought I'll match it with, with the heavy drums and sort of like a distorted bass sort of thing. And I made the stuff and that I sent it in and the producers were like, dude, this is great. We love it. This is a perfect fit. And then we showed it to, uh, to David and he was like, I don't like it at all. <laughs> um, I'm looking for something maybe like jazz. <laughs> <laughs> like a complete left field turn. I was like, jazz. And so then I went in and we did like, we did choirs. We did jazz. Oh. We did um, like classical stuff. Like bum, 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 bum. Um, and in the end, in the end, uh, what we have is pretty, pretty diverse. I have to say it like, so the, the title song is a remixed rock version of my song smiling what <laughs> all right that's what he wanted all right that's what he wanted in the end it's wow. like digga 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 boom haven't seen you in a while um, and then the ending track is this classical boys choir 
that we did, which was really hard, but it was it's actually really cool in the end. And um, and the transitions are. Um, he wanted I, I beatboxed like jazz hi hats like what? It's really all over the place, but I think it kind of works. All right, I'm very curious. I'm very curious, and I'm gonna have to check that out. Coming out tomorrow. I'm yeah, you should. Yeah, it's it's out. So yeah, I mean, when this comes out, it's out now. So it's on RTL Plus, and it's called Wrong. Uh, from David Helmut and Noya Zupa, which was very nice to give me that job. So I, I, I have to say, like, of course I miss concerts, but I've been very happy to get jobs like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very... That's like my dream. <laughs> yeah, that is an excellent, excellent way to uh, substitute concerts, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Since you have no other choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I think, actually, I mean, he might cancel because he's crazy. But I might have him as the guest for next week to talk about the show. All right, all right. Well, that I will as a teaser. Uh, that'll be <laughs> very interesting. I hope that works out. Um, is he? A, is yeah, he would, an immigrant though? He is technically. Yeah, he's he immigrated as a child from Russia, of all places. Vaz. Oh, I know. <laughs> Um, dude, I, uh, I, dude, I, I, I want to say it like it's your last name, but it's just, uh, dude, dude, dude. um, I, I, I could always talk to you for hours and I miss our discord game nights, but I, I already have to call it unfortunately, Yeah, no, um, but we, we did an hour and some change. So that's, that's a good one. Um, I want to say genuinely from the bottom of my heart thank you for for being on the show i'm sorry it took so long to finally get you on we are overdue and we were good. overdue for a chat in general and i really hope you and your gang are all doing well and uh i can't wait to have you on again and catch up with you in a few months and see you know what's been going on with you and uh yeah man i hope i can come up to hamburg as well because i missed that city Yes, yes. Once, uh, yeah, like I, I was putting out those positive vibes for a summer that will be exploding with shows. So I, I'm hoping that will include a Hamburg date. Totally, awesome. totally. Nice, man. Do you want to, uh, just before we say goodbye, do you want to plug anything for anybody like who's in, you know, a website or social media or anything? I mean, you know, if anybody wants to to go and look at me on Instagram, although I'm not using it a whole lot to post things at the moment, it's it's Ben Jamuels. Uh, ben Ben like J for Samuel, right? Ben Jamuels. It, it's it's yeah, it's that's a portmanteau of, of taking my first and my last name, and that's I don't know where that one. Oh, well, actually, that was I think that was some for some reason that's what my old uh, neighbor used to to call me but anyways yeah that's, <laughs> that's what i've been using for social media forever uh yeah and what's your website for your animation uh ben samuels motion.com yeah ben samuels motion.com guys go check it out we have some film people listening so go check out what this genius does with his tippy tappy fingers um dude ben i love you man and thank you for being on the show and let's talk real soon it was wonderful all right guys we'll be back next week thank you for being here and bye bye <laughs>